0: everyone and welcome back to the comics collective the weekly podcast where we talk about a comic or graphic novel of our choice and sometimes we get to talk to some really awesome people and here we are living the dream today talking to someone i never thought i'd be able to talk to someone whose work i've been following for a very long time we are here today by the amazingly talented Stapon sage Stapon, how are you doing today
1: um, i'm doing pretty all right can't complain
0: I'm I'm glad. I'm glad you're recovering well from the flu. And yeah, it's I'm just very glad you're here. We are huge fans of Sunstone here in the show. As you know, it's always been one of my favorite comics. Dallas says it's one of his favorite romance books of all time. So yeah, you got a you got a pretty good reception over here. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, and all for a thing that started off as a prolonged burnout. Who knew?
0: <laughs> oh, I I can't wait to get into the origins of that because yeah. I I know I know a bit about it, but I'm sure the people listening would love to hear about it. I that that's a good place to start. Actually, you want to talk about kind of how Sunstone got started and how that um. all came about?
1: <laughs> well, um, I've uh, by that uh, at at that point in my career, I. Have been working on Witchblade and Witchblade related books for like a decade. Like, I've done over 50 issues in a row of Witchblade mm-hmm. and then artifacts and stuff like that. And uh, <clears throat> I've gotten somewhat of a burnout. Like, and by somewhat, I mean like I was genuinely like, two minutes away from quitting comics and accepting a video game job, which Mm -hmm. given the current state of the video game industry makes me feel like I dodged a bullet, but that's a whole different story. (laughs) So I was trying to kind of recapture some, something that, that would get me, you know, to like drawing again. So Mm -hmm. I kind of went back to mentally to like, when was the last time I've actually felt genuine fire, like that creativity that, that drove me to make stuff. And basically, <clears throat> what it was, was uh, before I got into comics officially, mm-hmm. I got an opportunity from a European publisher. I can't remember them. I can't find emails anymore. <laughs> but they do like uh, porn comics, right?
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: like, at that time, I like the very idea of making money while making comics, like, holy crap, like that was the dream. I'm like, oh my God, I get to help my family and make comics. Hell Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I started like they, they gave me some sample scripts. I started like working like crazy. I was researching. I was I was drawing like drawing up a storm, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I remembered all of that. I'm like, I like that, and I know a lot about BDSM. What mm-hmm. I'm gonna do is I'm gonna make a new account on DeviantArt, <clears throat> and I'm gonna make these uh, silly little illustrations, little joke, little joke strips, just something that will completely set me apart of what I'm doing right now Mm -hmm. and also um, will allow me to go back stylistically to my own style of working because I had a problem from the beginning of my career see I when I was just getting interested in comics I had my own style which was very similar to what I have now but then you know I saw what was popular at the time, the 90s style of uh, Michael Turner, of Mark mm-hmm. Silvestri, uh, and of course, the realism of Alex Ross. <clears throat> so I tried to kind of combine those things because, of course, those people knew what they were doing, That so obviously I should do it like they do. Mm-hmm. So I abandoned my own path and, you know, worked up a style that worked, you know. it's like It got me in. It got me a lot of comics behind me, but it's like... A style is an artistic handwriting, and when you're taking mm-hmm. somebody else's handwriting, like you know, you can do it for a while, but you know, over time, it starts kind of distorting. It starts like it doesn't feel right for you; it doesn't sit well with you. Mm-hmm. So, one of the big things with sunstone—well, sunstone—the the shinies account because it wasn't sunstone; it was nothing at first. <coughs> was I was gonna do it in my style, mm-hmm. kinda mm-hmm. separate myself from pure realism? So I started making these doodles, mm. and I'm like, okay, hold on, what can I depict? So <laughs> people people used to say, like, you know, oh, DeviantArt, it's yeah, just a bunch of porn everywhere. It's not, and here's why. DeviantArt uh, pre- has very specific rules, you know, you, c- you can mm-hmm. show certain things, but not other things. <laughs> so you could show female nudity, but you couldn't show erect penis. And, like, that stopped me in my tracks. I'm like, shit, mm-hmm. what am I going to do now? Because <laughs> I was going to make some guys, some girls, and just kind of make some jokes strips yeah. about them. I'm like, fuck it, two girls. And I just, <laughs> so I drew two girls, and I'm like, How, what are they going to look like? The most just, just, just stereotypical looking, dumb and uh, submissive. That's it. Like, and I drew them, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I like this combo of red and black. Yeah, that's kind of classic BDSM. Like, nothing about these characters had any forethought about them, right? Mm -hmm. They were just supposed to be like, they were supposed to be your gag strips, uh, pun very much intended, you know, and it started off like that at first, you know, I I made a bunch of silly joke strips and then came this moment where I'm like, I'm going to do this little strip where it's like, how did they meet? Mm-hmm. it was it was that one spread at, at the first issue of Sunstone where they're t- typing online you know and you know how how they decide to meet each other and my rapidly increasing audience on that account lost their shit like they were like, oh my god, <laughs> more <coughs> and I'm mm-hmm. like mm, fine here here let's let's do some more of these trips and, and at first it was like these random moments mm. and I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to kind of start telling their story. <clears throat> it's just a joke. I'm never going to publish it. I'm never going to even finish it. This is just something to kind of keep my mind of things. All right, good. I'll keep going. So mm-hmm. I finished the first one. I finished the first chapter, and I I'm, am and, I'm, and I start having a panic attack because I realize I'm writing a romance novel, romance <laughs> story. And it's like I've read hundreds of them. I have no fucking idea how to write one. So I'm having a panic attack. Mm -hmm. So for the next two weeks, I'm here trying to write up a scenario in which uh, Allison uh, buys uh, some sort of a collar from some uh, uh, antique store, but it turns out it's an alien artifact that Brings in alien overlord who who (laughs) is looking for his next spouse, and it's the one who can wear that color. And oops, it's on Lisa. But these aliens basically conquer worlds by having these crowns of dominance that uh, allow them to just subjugate races uh, of uh, like species, like uh, by, by thought alone. Except Ali bonks one of the on the head because she's immune to it because she's a dom. She puts it on, and then she starts conquering aliens and reading Lisa, and oh I read, the, and I read, and I read the concept of the script. script, and I'm like, or I just try to write a romance. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, th- just so that you know, what kind of a massive fucking space era bullet was dodged there. <laughs> oh, that would I have still been... kind of like the idea, though.
0: <laughs> hey, it's definitely interesting. That definitely would have been a different comic. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's <laughs> awesome.
1: Yep. But yeah, that's how we got to Sunstone, you know? I bought I bit the bullet, started writing a romance, took the character seriously, mm-hmm. and you know, from there on it was a whole lot of fucking research and work. Oh my God. Yeah,
0: I would love to hear a bit about that research, because that was one of the things that Dallas wanted me to ask, because he wanted to know, like, how do you effectively tell those perspectives that aren't necessarily yours? Like, how do you tell a romance between two sapphic characters so well?
1: So, um, I've uh, kind of been, like, I'm a good listener, okay? <laughs> <laughs> like, no joke, mm-hmm. I'm one of those people who people tend to kind of come to and start telling their stories, and I'm like, "All right, go on." Mm-hmm. And I'm I, I'm like genuinely interested. And uh when I started telling this stuff, like I I have some friends, right? Like over life, over my life, <coughs> over the course of my life, I've I've get, I've made some friends, you know, who are LGBT, and like they've always been kind of very open about their stories and stuff. It's just kind of like. Mm-hmm. People kind of when you're with friends, you open up, you know. <laughs> but when I started working on this, like that circle expanded drastically, and then, <laughs> like, I didn't really have to look for research; <clears throat> it just came to me. Like it was, um, <clears throat> it, it, it 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 was interesting. Like this is one of those things, like where I've uh, very soon de- de- developed my writing uh, theory that if you want to write uh, believable humans, then you got to understand one rule of life, and that is that everybody is a dumbass because that's, that's the one connecting point between all of the stories I've heard. And that's the hilarious part. It's like, because it's like, my research mm-hmm. came, not just, you know, from, you know, researching the LGBT stuff, but also, you know, about BDSM stuff, about just basic stuff, right? And it's like, you, you listen to it all and you're like, holy shit, like this is, this is mm-hmm. going to be too damn easy because it's like you write about one or the other or another. And it's like, people just get it. People reading is like, I'm not into this, but I understand it. I'm not this, but mm-hmm. I understand. It. I'm like, yeah, of course you do. You are that you're an idiot like everybody else here. <laughs> and so am I, we're all fuck ups. We live one cool moment at a time, you know, but then, you know, mm-hmm. after that we find the first banana peel and fucking face plant, you know?
0: <laughs> I, I, love that perspective that is mm. I, I want that on a shirt <laughs> I want that on my wall <laughs> we're
1: all just fuck ups <laughs> yeah like most of the time like everybody's mm-hmm. kind of trying to hide it everybody's you know presenting their best face their coolest face their coolest angle filter everything it's like mm-hmm. if you saw the, these people in, in private like holy shit how do you function it's like that's the secret <laughs> captain I don't <laughs>
0: oh oh i love that i love that so much um that and that that feels so fitting for this the stories you tell especially mm-hmm. if you look at the first five volumes of sunstone and how their relationship just falls apart because these two dumbasses oh, yeah. won't tell each other because <laughs> it's feel. like they
1: they're they're very their their issues are so simple and so basic mm-hmm. but it's like issues of stuff there's very relatable like when you realize that the entire problem with lisa is that she's taking some aspects of her relationship so for granted that it's become destructive
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and then you're like oh (laughs) and I had so many people going oh shit I'm doing this
0: (laughs) I I love that thinking going off that a little bit just talking about how they develop as characters the one thing that I really want to ask because I think it's a a big talking point lately is, you know, when you when you pitch this book to someone, you always have to mention, like, hey, listen. I, I always love the first page in like the um the print trade where it's like, hey, listen, this is a book about romance love, and wait, don't leave, there's hot lesbian sex in it. Because <laughs> I love that's always the part you have to broach when you talk about this book first, which like, listen, this is one of the best romance books that I've ever read. Ow. But there is so much However sex in it. <laughs> Exactly. And it's kinky sex too. It there, was so,
1: like, like that pregnant pause like but... However, <laughs> <laughs> so
0: so my question is, how how did you go about incorporating that? What's the hardest part about writing a, a believable story with with sex at the middle of it? What is what were the specific oh, 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 not, challenges? Oh,
1: nothing. About? So so he, there are no challenges. The challenge okay. is fucking it up. Okay, so here's the trick between, behind this. Mm-hmm. Just don't forget what characters you're writing. Mm-hmm. Like, hmm. one of my favorite moments in Sunstone stories so far, like the full eight books, yeah. is the college moment between Ali and Alan, when these idiots hire a fucking room at a motel, and they, and Alan is like, the bed is kind of sussy, and so so he wants to put like a sheet over it that's that's like, you know, like one of those plastic sheets, but he he, he doesn't know how to, like, he, the, the one they have in the hotel is kind of crappy, so he bites a piece of fucking urethane plastic and and straps it all over the bed and it looks looks like a scene from Dexter and these and Ali just oils the fucking thing and is like yeah we're gonna do fucking oil wrestling and just fucking slides off the bed. <laughs> I'm like this 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 is how I write sex because mm-hmm. I, I I never forget what are the characters are writing. Mm-hmm. So it's like their insecurities, their strengths, they're bringing it all in, <laughs> and, and we get to see them at full display there.
0: Mm-hmm. I but, <sighs> yeah, it just it feels like a very very human way of approaching it. It makes sense because it's a very very human yeah. thing, but there but it's, it feels especially
1: crucial for mm-hmm. character driven stories like any anything that's like a slice of life that's a romance that's a, like those books are made or broken on the character work. If you yeah. fail on that, if you if you constantly let yourself be seduced by little demons of your of your writing where it's like, ooh, ooh I want my character to be really, really cool here to the point where it's completely det- distracting from the from the way this character was written all this time. It's like like are you damaging your story at that point, you know? So and that's the thing. It's like you just you just remember the character you're writing mm-hmm. and you stick to that.
0: Oh. Yeah, I, I love that Talking about um, the future of Sunstone Because we've read the first five volumes in the show we read the entire first arc The Allie and Lisa story yeah. But you're still writing Sunstone as we speak. You're, I'm pretty sure we're fi- close to finishing up um, Sunstone Mercy, the second arc. Correct?
1: Uh, no, 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 no. Mercy arc is a nine-volume thing. <laughs> oh The okay. uh, first three, the first part of it is the college age, so that's three books. Now the volume eight uh, finishes that, and I'm actually wrapping that up. Uh, Mercy mm-hmm. arc uh, focuses on Alan and Ann, while at the same time expanding the cast and expanding on the story of later on on Ali, and Lisa, and some other characters. And also, like, uh, I've often had people go like that, you know, Sunstone is such a great representation of BDSM. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not representation. Sunstone Mm -hmm. has it in it. But Mm -hmm. saying that something is a representation means you have to include many different aspects of it. And uh, at that point, it's not through Mercy Arc, it will be, because uh, second uh, and third section of the Mercy Arc are going to uh, take place greatly through, greatly in the uh, BDSM Club Crimson. And through mm-hmm. that, I'm going to be able to display a bunch of other people who partake in the kink in very different ways and do it in different, <coughs> you know, with different motivations as well. Like, not everybody is, you know, uh, s- s- rainbow cupcake uh, of kindness, you know. It's like there's mm-hmm. people... who do do partake in this king that, you know, they aren't coming there from the healthiest point of their lives, you know. They're they're Mm -hmm. not in their, they're not their best, you know. So it's going to be complicated and that, but that's the thing, you know. If you Mm -hmm. want a good story, you write complicated people.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I like that. I like that perspective about the representation, and I like that you're going to be like. It it feels like world building, which is such a weird thing to describe as like BDSM, but it definitely feels like world building, which is exciting.
1: (coughs) Yeah, Um, well, for for people who aren't really into it, like to them, mm -hmm. it is a new world, and you know, they're being explained the lore, the terminology, the stats on the gear.
0: Oh, I, mean, I got the the funniest image of of Allie holding up like a ball gag and then like the stats pop up underneath it and just like, like learn these, learn these numbers. <laughs> yeah. That that's awesome. Can you tell us anything about any of the arcs beyond cuz I know you have this planned out for yeah. years.
1: <laughs> so Sunstone is going to have 20 books. Uh mm-hmm. there is three main arcs. The Sunstone arc, the Mercy arc, and the Jasper arc. <laughs> so like I said, the uh, Sunstone arc is All and Lisa. Mercy arc is Alan and Anne, wh- with some elements of other characters. So for instance, some sections are with uh, Alan and uh, Ally's uh, college years, and Alan and Marion. There's Anne and Laura. Laura is a very, very, very important character in mm-hmm. uh, the Mercy arc and later on. <laughs> and then uh, the third arc is going to be about Marion and James. Marion is... Uh, The submissive that Alan had his both great love story with and also the greatest heartbreak with and Mm -hmm. just the greatest trauma with, really. And her kind of finding her way to kind of reclaim her life after that because... She got so deeply obsessed with that submissiveness and all that to the point where it got extremely unhealthy. Because mm-hmm. one of the big, one of the big uh, questions of the second part of the mercy arc is going to be yeah. <laughs> one of those things. Is like you you often see in stories where it's like okay, you, a story is told from a submissive's point of view and it uh, addresses submissives' boundaries and everything. Nobody really ever you know or often uh, addresses a dominance uh, boundaries, mm-hmm. you know. And that's the problem. Marion wants more and hard, more hardcore stuff that Alan is willing to provide, and that's where the disconnect mm-hmm. happens. She she goes too deep, and well, we, we you've seen what happens, and in, mm-hmm. in that arc, and <clears throat> through Mercy arc and through um, Jasper arc, you're gonna see the full context of that, and you know its full consequences also, and uh, so. Uh, Marion, uh, in in order to kind of, in order for the doctor to kind of fake her results and has has that thing covered by her healthcare, he kind of tells her, the only way I'm gonna uh, let you, you know, uh, the only way that's gonna work is if you go and get therapy. So she goes get, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, she goes therapist to therapist, but basically, like a lot of therapists don't really know how to deal with gangsters, really. Mm -hmm. Like they they kind of go surface level, they go some, you know first thing that you can latch on and it's like oh that's why you're like this you know mm-hmm. <clears throat> so at some point she finds a proper therapist who works for her and uh, she basically tells her like listen <laughs> you went too far you like i know you can't go to cold turkey with this <sighs> what i want you to do is i want you to instead of stopping i want you to work on reclaiming your dumb space instead of subspace mm-hmm. i want you to <clears throat> flip things around i want you to try and become dominant so it's a journey of her trying to become dominant and where she re james who was this cross dresser at the time uh uh in uh, the early earlier it's uh, it's actually mentioned in sunstone uh, mm-hmm. that james almost ended up with ali but that's when all things went wrong <coughs> so then after that, it becomes a story of Marion and James, where James becomes uh, Marion submissive, and then James starts discovering things about James. <laughs> and it's a messy story, but you can't uh, cra- you can't make an omelet without cracking some eggs, you know.
0: Oh yeah, uh, very 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 excited for that. I I can't wait. It's gonna <clears throat> be wonderful. Oh, it's gonna be so <laughs> worth the wait. Oh yeah. Um. Jumping from that, because you have so many exciting things happening at once, Mm -hmm. and Sunstone, Mm -hmm. as wonderful it is, is just one of them. Uh Um, You had another big book come out recently about fun sex, but this time with a a fantasy (coughs) element thrown in. Mm -hmm. I wanted to talk Mm -hmm. a little bit about Mm -hmm. fine print. Um, Would you be able to give any of the listeners who haven't heard of this book Mm -hmm. a quick rundown
1: on what fine print is? (coughs) Well, fine print is basically this. God's from different pantheons exist. Some of them, some of them have died. (laughs) And the ones that exist now are kind of trying to trying to make a living, so to say, in a very literal way, trying to survive. (laughs) And the ones that seem to be doing the best right now are the children of Eros, god of desire and uh, uh, love. (laughs) When he basically died, he released his energy, but his energy was still too powerful. And from that two kinds of lesser gods were created. The Cubi, Succubi, Incubi, and the Cupid's, gods of love. And uh, these gods tend to make uh, personal contracts with mortals who are, how do I put this, unhinged, who have uh, (laughs) such just completely warped uh, sense of balance in their life when it comes to desire or love, that they can actually take all of that extra like goodness and form it into the seed of ambrosia that they need to basically survive Mm -hmm. and feed themselves (laughs) enter lauren thomas a woman who had the chance for who had the true love of her life and kind of she messed it up Mm -hmm. and uh, it was her fault at the time (coughs) and She never forgave forgave herself, and when she tried to fix it later on, she made a bigger mess out of it. So uh, she starts um, indulging herself in worse and worse uh, things just so that she can dull the pain of her broken heart, Mm -hmm. which eventually brings her to the Crimson Club, the very same from Sunstone, where a certain bartender works who happens to be a succubus uh, seer and uh, basically a seer's job is to find somebody who is uh messed up enough to offer a contract and enter lauren of course so soon they meet again and uh lauren is granted the contract with certain caveat where lauren insisted uh, to sample the goods so lauren may or may not have had unprotected sex with a goddess, certainly not, not a not, not at all a dangerous mm-hmm.
0: thing. Yeah, no, uh, you, as you
1: no. do. Yeah, a uh, certain eye bleeding. Usually people uh, combust, but you know, well, <laughs> she, she's built different, I guess. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so she was. she's granted uh, not just any kind of a contract, but a golden contract because Lauren is one of the rare people who is just that profoundly messed up that she, what she can give to them is like of such purity like the best form of cocaine you know mm-hmm. and so uh she's granted the golden contract and the golden contract is fulfilled uh, by the highest order uh highest ranking um, uh succubus, succubus or an incubus at the time problem is it's a contested title there's two of them and two of them do appear <coughs> And being unable to choose, well, not being unable to choose, not wanting to choose. Lauren is a selfish little prick. But <laughs> <laughs> so she basically tries to choose both. That mm-hmm. brings them to the arbitration, summoning their um, summoning the high one of the high rulers of the QP, who is Bofetta Laris. and um that's where things get really messy, because uh <laughs> well, anybody who reads the comic will will remember mm-hmm. the name of Fatalis. <laughs> Shining oh, oh
0: yes, <laughs> they they do. It's fine print is a a very special beast to me because it's very <coughs> it's very what's the word I'm looking? It's very different than Sunstone in. Mm-hmm. A very, like, mind-bending way. I love the, the fantasy mythology aspect of it. Yep. So my question, though, because I, I, sometimes people talk about it as like, oh, it's that other sex book. When we talk about <laughs> it from, like, that perspective, what are things you can do in fine print that you can't do in Sunstone?
1: Oh, nothing. Like, here's the thing. Uh, fine print isn't mm-hmm. actually a sex book. Like, this, this is one of those things where it's like, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> there's going to be some sex in it, but fine print is... Sort of a, how do I best describe it? Um, toxic escapism book. Oh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this this is one of those things where it's like you will do anything to escape your problems, mm-hmm. no matter how damaging to you. And it this this spirals. This is gonna spiral very fast. Like this 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 isn't Sunstone, Okay. Like fine print is a very high <laughs> drama book. Mm-hmm. This is gonna be. Um, Fine print is going to be a very wild ride, and I, like even with what I've described so far, I've basically touched the, the tip of the iceberg of volume one only. Like, and it's like that—that's not even going into the Rachel and Kale situation. Not even going into the. Situation with Matthew, or with, or or the relationships between the, the the other characters between Thaddeus and Vane, between Lala and Eureka, between Hades and <laughs> Persephone, or, or Buffett and and uh, Sharon. Like there's there's so much stuff, and that's not even touching their their kids, who are just a whole different kind of mess. So <laughs> yeah, fine print is a very uh, large cast, very high <gasps> drama, and very very wild book.
0: Ooh. So so basically the idea of everyone everyone's a little bit of a fuck up, but on steroids.
1: Oh yeah. 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 Everybody's a little bit of a fuck up, but now with divine powers. What could go wrong? <laughs> <coughs> the rule stands. That's that's the messed up part.
0: Oh my gosh. I, I yeah, I love that. I love that energy in that book. Always always be I wanted to talk you, you talked a bit about um your art style and your mm. initial influences before you found your like your your current style. Mm. Do you feel like um? Do you feel like you you've settled on your style, or do you feel like you're always kind of evolving it?
1: Eh, it's, there's always certain level of evolution. I'm I'm still trying mm-hmm. to shake off some bad habits, but it's kind of one of those things. I'm very much aware of the flaws of my style. I'm very much aware mm-hmm. of my flaws as an artist. <clears throat> But that's where I always say, I'm a flawed artist. You know, when somebody's like, well, what about this? I'm a flawed artist. What about Mm -hmm. that? I am a flawed artist. Because at the end of the day, you can't master everything at once, especially when you're dealing with something like creating an entire series of graphic novels. Like, Mm -hmm. things are always going to evolve. Like, look at the first pages of Sunstone and look at, you know, the most recent pages of Mercy. Like, There's a difference in rendering. There's a difference in structure and composition. There's a difference in everything, you know. There's Mm -hmm. always room for growth. And hopefully by the end of it, you know, Jasper is going to look 10 times better than anything else. And, you know, who knows what comes after will look 10 times better than that.
0: That, That's awesome. Yeah. And speaking of learning new things, you've been working a lot, I saw, with 3D modeling Mm
1: -hmm.
0: lately. How's that been?
1: Oh, it's been doing great. Uh, I've basically always been a big nerd for, like, you know, collectible statues and stuff. Mm-hmm. So ever since I realized that the 3D printing is actually, like, legitimately amazing, <coughs> I had this idea of uh, making uh, my own characters as, uh, you know, printable statues. Because mm-hmm. recently, like, we had a Sunstone statue Kickstarter, and it's like, it turned out amazing, but it's like, I was very harshly, you know, reminded how expensive these statues are to make, you know, how, Mm -hmm. how, like at the end of the day, you know, you you have a two character statue at $400, like that's a lot of money. And it's like, so, you know, when I make 3D sculptures for printing, like I can offer them as an STL on my Patreon for relatively cheap, and people can print them for Way cheaper if they can, you know, paint them on their own or get somebody to paint them for them. Mm -hmm. And that way, you know, I I think it's kind of the best of both worlds. (laughs) Plus, uh, one of the big things that I'm doing with it is I'm preparing a lot of materials for... One of my upcoming comics uh, *Killer shield maidens i'm trying to figure out where i can <laughs> make the giant robots the mechas <laughs> and like some of the environments in 3d while uh mm-hmm. making it actually match my style so that i can just you know shape, put shading and painting over it without it you know being you know hyper realistic so i can actually make it fit with everything else yeah. so yeah that's kind of been one of my big preoccupations with that
0: yeah, and I think that's honestly, that's a great transition moment, because I also wanted to talk a little bit about Achilles' Shield Maidens, because I think this is a really, really interesting book for you, because we've seen you do a lot of fantasy before, but sci-fi feels like something that we haven't gotten to see you do a lot lately. Can you talk to us about, like, going into Achilles' Shield Maiden, um Introduce the book a little bit. And the thing I'm really interested in is how does the world building for something like that go versus something like one of your older works like um, Death Vigil or Ravine?
1: Uh, same principle. You know, things need to make sense. Uh, mm-hmm. if, if a thing does a thing here, it needs to, you know, carry over to other situations. It's kind of basics work, you know. Uh, world build, world building is kind of a necessary grind where it's like mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not the world building itself that's the problem is how do you deliver it that was my big downfall on ravine because in my early days first attempts of at writing i'm like i have to explain to people everything so i'm gonna have a character open two pages of this book so study up bitches you know it's like it's it was a bad idea a bad approach here mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm taking a way more nuanced gradual thing i always ask myself like do do they need to know will this change anything it's like yes no if no don't explain it move on at some other point there's gonna have there's gonna have be a conversation that's gonna cover it in, <clears throat> in in a more natural way and you know it's gonna work so yeah <clears throat> and shield made you know <clears throat> like shield made this is a very kind of a generally simple concept book
0: mm-hmm.
1: <clears throat> With a very deep and layered world behind it, you know? Because <laughs> it's like, Shieldman is like, when I, when I pitch Shieldman is to people, I'm like, basically Spice Girls meets Evangelion, that's it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, there are a bunch of singers and dancers and unf- find, who find themselves in the unfortunate situation where the only operational battle mechs uh, that, that can be used are basically coded to them. Mm-hmm get fighting, you know? <laughs> and like, <clears throat> it's gonna be an exciting, wild adventure, you know? And, the, uh, uh, the aspects of it are very interesting because of the way these mechs are used. This, uh, sort of a kind of a, um, what's, what's the word? Um, it's escaping me right now. Uh, singularity, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, man machine singularity, right? Where it's like, <clears throat> uh, basically, um, when you enter that mech and when you connect to it, <coughs> a connection is made where it's like uh, <laughs> it connects to your brain, disables your body, and uh, tricks your brain into believing that the mech is your body. <laughs> that mm-hmm. uh, reduces any kind of a delay in any movement. Like you, you move as you would. You, you have a perfect sen- uh, sense of everything, and th- you have a full range of moment uh, movement, and you are at peak capacity in these battle machines, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <clears throat> and people have a certain time span in which that works until the drugs that they put uh, in them, you know, wear off and then the rejection syndrome happens and, you know, well, you need, you need to rest. So, so they do have a time limit on this hmm. <laughs> and, um, <clears throat> people get tested and like, you know, one in like, I forgot how many I have to check my book right now, uh, can have it. Like it's, it's a rare thing to be able to actually pilot through this method because mm-hmm. uh, analog piloting the, the old ways, like it's, it's a way more machinery is way more clunkier. It, uh, it doesn't enable you to do, to use some of the very specific abilities of these new mechs and their new, and their new systems, so um, basically, they really are, you know, ahead of their time, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, basically, aliens attack, and the entire Earth defense force of these mechs is disabled. You know, they they're all dis- destroyed in one fell swoop, and everybody thinks like, "Oh my God, we were so weak," and then turns out, surprise, you weren't weak. Somebody actually activated the Achilles k- kill switch on these Achilles mechs. Because every single mech is built with a kill switch in, in case of uh, <laughs> theft, in case of espionage, all of that. So, basically, somebody in the highest uh, ranks of the world government has betrayed humanity. So... Mm-hmm. And the only ones that didn't have the kill switch were their mechs because they weren't allowed because they were classified as civilians, so they didn't have the right to put the kill switch into those mechs, so they were, but they were basically, you know, parade versions, non-armed, so, you know, that was fine. And now, we have these characters with their mechs, and now they have to <coughs> fight a whole lot of stuff. <coughs>
0: And that's that's the fun part. That the fighting all the stuff. Um, I know that sometimes artists will be will will have like frustrations. We have to draw like a lot of machinery. I know some people don't like drawing fighter jets. Some people don't like drawing
1: cars and trucks. I drawing hate drawing current stuff. I hate yeah. drawing cars. I hate drawing real cars. Fake cars, made up, futuristic, no problem. Okay, cool. If I can design it, cool. Just don't make Mm -hmm. me find some draw something that I need to actually get a reference for. Because I don't use references anymore. I just kind of draw stuff. I like drawing. But it's like, uh, we're going to need you to draw a 1984 Mercedes-Benz, I don't know, 14 V. I I don't know. I don't know cars. (laughs) (laughs) Like, right now, for Sunstone, I have to uh, draw Laura and Anne on, on a Harley again. And I'm like, oh. Hell, finding a heart from a perfect <laughs> angle, kill me now. <laughs> <coughs> but yeah, Max, uh, spaceship, nothing, sci-fi environment, no problem. I'll draw that all day. Fuck yeah! Mm-hmm. Like I just draw stuff.
0: Yeah, I, I love that the just the free range of it instead yeah. of having to figure out the perfect angle. That's, oh yeah,
1: yeah, that sounds like a nightmare. Oh my gosh! The, oh, by the way, funny thing about the killer shieldmen, you know how that comic started. <laughs> Please tell me. So, so I I art stream often. And one day I'm like, you know what? Just for a taste of something different, I'm going to draw mechs and their pilots. And the cool thing is everything has been done with mecha genre. So mm-hmm. I'm in no danger of ever making it a comic. Of course, I bragged about that on my stream. And my stream was, <laughs> sure. And I'm like, <laughs> you can laugh all you want, but it's true. And two months later, literally <laughs> New Year's morning, I wake up. Fuck, because <laughs> I'm like, because I'm like, what if those Captain America movie girls, you know, the ones that 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 dance with Captain America, mm-hmm. but all of a sudden they're all Captain America? You know what I mean? It's like, it's like that. It's it's that all, all of them are now super soldiers and now now they have to fight and they're like fuck I'm like shit that is the
0: perfect pitch that is that was beautifully succinct <coughs> and I we just finished um Ponderworld this week Lexi and I just talked Hens. about that on the show and I was reading the end of that and Linda talking about how that comic came to be and I feel like the most common thing around your household must be uh-huh. hey isn't this cute this will never be a uh-huh. thing. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. My favorite is when Linda was like, I'll never do a second comic like you, you're nuts. I'm like, uh huh, no, I really can't, you know, it's, it's impossible. I, do, I don't, I can't think like that. I'm like, mm hmm. I'm like, you also, you also said you could never do a comic at all. I'm just, I'm, I'm not saying, I'm just saying, whatever.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, that- <coughs> That's awesome. The fact that you two are both so incredibly talented just blows my mind. That's an insane amount of talent under one roof.
1: It's it's hilarious. Like there's a it's a good thing there are no cameras or nuts because I think we would be like the stupidest sitcom in the history of the world. <laughs> just just the dumbest giggling, just, just the puns, just the just oh my god. Like we sometimes sit down and just start kind of discussing a flow of the story and then just get into the heads of the characters and just start doing these two-hour dialogues that just go nowhere and just spout the stupidest jokes. And then, and then we wrote stuff and say, ooh, we, we, we went off track. <laughs>
0: See I was going to ask if does it help to have someone to bounce like ideas off oh,
1: of yeah. like that Oh yeah yeah, yeah. 100% <laughs> it's basically what keeps our stories uh from uh kind of losing uh losing the flavor you know because mm-hmm. it's like it's very it's very easy to get um to get carried away by the mood of the day you know sometimes you feel like this sometimes you feel like that and it starts bleeding into your story so it's very good to have somebody with whom you can just kind of you know just bounce things off and it's very nice when you're married to that person and they're literally your soulmate and then you can just really fucking open up about the story and just it's amazing
0: keeping it grounded and that's that's Mm -hmm. awesome Uh. Yeah. There and I'm I'm I love Achilles Shield Maidens. I'm excited. I love I forget her name at the moment, but there's a trans character in it and she is my, my light. She's my life.
1: <laughs> yeah, Jane Willis yeah. is going to be a really fucking awesome character. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the coolest things is like <laughs> An unforeseen benefit of her being trans, because this mm-hmm. this whole book is basically about transhumanism, about man-machine interface, about uh, moving past humanity and all that. <laughs> and then you have a trans character who is simply better at piloting the mech for a way longer time because she's used to piloting the wrong body. Oh, <laughs> so that... she can li- so she she literally weaponizes her own dysphoria. <laughs>
0: That is when I read that line for the first (laughs) time. I think I screamed because I'm like, "That is the best way I've ever seen anyone write a trans character before." Enough trans suffering. Let's do some exactly,
1: exactly that. It's like, like if, if 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 every fucking story is you know oppression, gloom, doom, everybody mean, everybody. I was like, I mean. Do you not want escapist fiction sometimes? Do you not want mm-hmm. a chance to just go like, hey, here's something awesome. How about that? Yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. yeah, I can definitely. I definitely need some escapist fiction from now on every now and then, especially after like five exactly. minutes on Twitter. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> The the last big thing I wanted to talk about that you're, you're working on right now is something very different. It's not often we get to talk about a book on this podcast, but you're actually writing a, a bit of a novel, uh, Letters to the it's Vampire. Not a bit game. of a
1: novel. That thing is going to be eight hundred years for eight hundred pages for book one.
0: I you it's know a bit was, of a
1: more than a bit.
0: I was I was keeping it on the download, You know I was.
1: <laughs>
0: How did that happen?
1: Uh, okay. Hear me out. Yeah, <laughs> this mm-hmm. is not insane Listen. at all. Okay, okay, this oh, is not insane do. at all. Not, this this is a perfectly reasonable way to start writing novel, a novel. So for the Mercy Arc, Lisa is writing a book called Letters to the Vampire Queen.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: had to I had to figure out the story for it just kind of in broad mm-hmm. scopes because it it would be a thing that she kind of deals with every now and then and talks to characters every now and then you know, it's kind of like you would feel this little continuity of this character progressing on that journey for herself. So I kind of made an outline for the letters of the vampire queen and looked at that outline and said, Shh, this shit is fire. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was like, I I have like, I could take away a bit of my sleeping. <laughs> nobody would notice. I'll add more coffee and maybe just start typing a little bit. Just just a touch. Just, just as a treat. Yeah, so now we're like 250 pages in and keep fucking burning the midnight oil. And yeah, it's going to be finished. It's going to be made. Mm-hmm. And then, considering I'm never going to fucking find a publisher for it, I'm just going to crowdfund that. And, uh, yeah, that's going to be a, a big old heck and chunker of a book with about 70 plus full-color illustrations because I am that committed to it. <laughs> hey, not, <coughs> books could always use more pictures. That, that's my opinion. Listen, and yeah, that's the best kind of a book.
0: Exactly. So I like the ones we can just, like, every once in a while goes, like, what's this character look like, look like again? Oh, okay, got it. Got it. Cool. <laughs> Very neat. Yeah, I think that's completely sane. Um... Rest in peace, your sleep schedule. But other than that, what's a sleep schedule (laughs) (coughs) for people who aren't making comics and writing books?
1: Exactly. Normal people go to sleep at 7 a.m. every day, it's fine, (laughs) maybe every day, sometimes nine, but then really, you got to be flexible. Let's be honest. Oh, that's so true.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh, that, yeah. I wanted to talk about all these and I wanted to give you a chance to kind of like plug where all these are because I am currently a patron of yours and so I wanted to give you a moment just to to pitch that out to everyone where can people find these comics and these oh yeah yeah.
1: so so these comics are really you know wide the right it's on patreon it's all on patreon literally everything just (laughs) just just you you go there you get one of the most consistent patreons out there like you know I'm not saying it's the most but it's among the I, I take my patron extremely seriously Every month I deliver uh, content as planned. The only uh, uh, exceptions were these last two months because I had some health issues, but I still delivered a lot of stuff and I'm about to deliver the last uh, 37 pages of Sunstone Book 8, which is going to be just a wonderful tale of heartbreak. Everybody's going to have fun with that one. (coughs) This one's going to hurt. Uh, Scrape it off like a band-aid yeah, oh yeah and also there's another book that's there uh, that's another two books actually there's um, I'm about to carry on again uh, with uh, Death Vigil book uh, 2 that one's continuing also uh, in February and uh, in 2025 I'm going to be publishing The Queen and the Woodborn uh, first book which is my uh, Slavic mythology style, uh, themed uh, book, and it's it's very very fairy tale like. Even though mm. you know it's in full continuity with something like uh, with books like Fine Print and Ponderworld. Oh,
0: that's awesome. Also, I love that you have your own comics universe. Yeah, that, that's great.
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, sometimes you just gotta go and you know make your own damn universe. What are you gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> you gotta do a some, bender
0: some universes start with iron man some start with bdsm that's just how it works that's just it's how the just ball the, rolls
1: listen we don't make the rule that's how it's done <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome well uh, Stephon, it's been so great having you here today i'm great being here yeah i'm i'm willing to give you the rest of your day back i think we have a lot of fun things we were able to talk about um yeah it's just absolute absolute privilege um would you like to plug any of the other places where people can find you online?
1: Honestly, I'm most of the time on Twitter or sometimes on Facebook, but the easiest way, easiest place for now is on Twitter while it still lasts. I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll see what happens. And yep. you, you stream on Twitch sometimes too, correct?
1: I stream on Twitch, on Twitter and on YouTube currently uh, very often now. <clears throat> okay.
0: Awesome. Yeah. And with that, I think we can call it a day. Again, thank you so much for being here. And for everyone listening, thank you for having me. Yeah. Make sure you check out all these books. They're all wonderful. And yeah, we will see you soon with our next interview. So, bye, everyone.